welcome to the Bobcast Podcast. My name is Don. My name is Scott. And we're about to hit chapter 37 of Ezekiel, which is... He just called me an un-Christian. He's like, if you don't know what <laughs> chapter we're on, he's like, I don't know if I can call you a Christian anymore. This is like the... I, I ran a blog <laughs> named after this <laughs> chapter for like five years. And I, I made all of John P- Piper's friends mad. Oh, yeah. Except for John Piper and his son. <laughs> so John Piper and his son didn't get mad, but his friends did? A bunch of people came out of the woodwork to defend them. Oh. And John Piper's son was like, y'all stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Ah, the good old days, my 15 minutes of fame. Well, I... I was going to say, I don't even know if I've got 15 minutes of fame, so you're doing better than I am. I, I think I might have yours. I have like a bunch of little 15 minutes of fames. Oh, so. And I just like compile them all together. So so the 15 minutes is all of them compiled together or the 15 minutes, uh, you got multiple 15 minuteses so you can get lots of more fame. I have multiple 15 minuteses, so I probably have like a good 45 minutes of fame. Okay. Going on. Ooh, dang. Um, probably even more than that. I'm going to get your autograph after this. So, well, they're for dumb things. Like, I was, um, I was interviewed on the news because I was at like a free concert. Uh-huh. And they're asking me about the band. I didn't really know anything about it. I just went with friends. Oh, nice. It's like I don't know. They're from like Florida or something. <laughs> and a teacher at school is like, I think I saw you on the news last night. And I was like, Yeah, was uh-huh. you're the one that didn't know the answer. Yeah. Uh-huh. At high school, I wrote an opinion piece about. Um, when my hometown got curfews, mm-hmm. like why curfews were dumb. Oh, wow. Um, that got printed. Um, so the high school, I was like the bomb, apparently. I was in a play at my high school and um, they took a picture of all of us and I was one of the main focuses of the picture because oh. they took a picture of a scene that I was in. <laughs> so, wow. Got that. Um, trying to think of what else. I mean. Yeah, I'm sitting there going, I don't think I got anything. I started a subreddit that's like got 48,000 people subscribing to it. Ooh, I worked at like a red box before there was a red box. So like there was this. <laughs> like wait, what? So in college, um, I was, I needed a job. Um, and most of the time I worked at a child development center. But d- during this section of classes, I had, I didn't have my hours wouldn't, wouldn't fit. So like there was this big, I mean, the big gigantic machine where you would go ahead and and you would be able to get videos via kind of like what you do with a red box. But it like took up like the whole back part of the store and um, you could get VHS or DVDs and things like that. And and it was, I mean, you just heard the thing. And then um, all of a sudden I went to work one day and it was closed and locked and like I guess I don't have a job anymore. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't even return the videos I had. I had taken out, and so uh, yeah, free movies. Yeah, and then about three or four year, years later, Redbox comes out. Um, I was like, dang, okay, well maybe I was the first Redbox, and and someone came with from the news when it first opened up, and I was sitting there going, huh, you know, like a little smile and holding a DVD or you know VHS at the time, and yeah, I. I had a friend who was in a commercial for a Ford dealer, a mm-hmm. local Ford dealer, and uh, he like he was supposed to, it was for like their service center or whatever. Yeah. And the commercial never aired, but he got like a hundred bucks for it. Wow. And he was like he was supposed to like he like he drove in and it was like showing the guy like something under the hood. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And the the director's like, hey, this is gonna be a voiceover, but it has to look like you're talking, so just say something or whatever. Yeah. And he said, so be in the service we're like, so there are big flames shooting out over here. So <laughs> I, but I was like, man, you just lost your 15 minutes because oh. you missed that commercial. You got a hundred bucks. I have, a, I have another friend that was the, he was the Kentucky Powerball. Are you serious? Like he was the guy in the ball costume for their commercial. Oh, okay. Because a lady that used to produce commercials for like Donato's Pizza, uh-huh. and like the Kentucky Powerball, she used to go to our church. Wow. So, 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 does is that does it count for fifteen minutes of fame if like they never saw your face? For him, I don't know. He said he got paid really well to do oh, really? it. Though. He okay. didn't tell us how much, but he said he got paid really well. Wow. Wow. Because yeah. I mean, I could say that I was in the Powerball costume and can't prove it. I interviewed uh, Andrew Schwab from Project 86. Wow. On my blog years ago. Project 86. Yeah. Dang. I, I don't think they're a thing anymore. I don't think they've been a thing. For Actually, really they long. are. They've got are you serious? Yeah, I supported their Kickstarter. So I get the free. 
So did they like shut down for a while and then come back? No, they've been do- they get they don't do label stuff anymore. Okay, um, they just do like Kickstarter based stuff. Oh, and yeah. honestly, like the first Kickstarter one they did was really good. The next two really sucked. Really? Do they just? <laughs> and not- if you listen, Andrew, I'm sorry, they were bad. They just don't have a good producer then, or um, I don't. Yeah, I think a producer would have really helped. Okay, but this is like their last. Like they're retiring after this or whatever. Oh, are they? And uh, I kind of dug up a little research because I still, I still have some channels of knowing some music biz stuff, and I found out that the guys from Norma Jean are helping with a lot of it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, okay, I trust them. Wow. Like they've been, they've been making good music for two decades probably. Mm-hmm. So I like if they're helping with it, I think it'll be better. Okay. So well, I threw I threw like some money at it to get the mp3 download or whatever what what was their indie album called Um, their their first one i mean that you thought was good wait for the siren okay or something like that okay and then they did something about the future and that was bad and then they did something about wolves and that was bad okay Uh, and i supported both of those and i hated both of those did you but once again i think they could have used a producer okay yeah Love I see uh, Jill and I together have seen them live two or three times. Oh wow! So and do they do still tour? Or no, uh, they. I think they will for this last one. Okay. Oh, I interviewed. Um, not an interview. I ticked off Josh oh. Dies from Showbread. Nice. Um, so I got that going for me too. That's good. That is that is a good yeah. one. Even after the altercation, wrote some songs slamming my reformed beliefs. <laughs> so whatever. I think I I did give. Oh man, I, I gave it. I can't remember the name of the band. That's how that's how great it was. Um, I don't know, but I did not go for the autograph of the band that was playing. I went on the tour bus and got the tour bus driver's autograph. And then I got nice. kicked off the tour bus. Because I didn't ask for their was it, autograph. Was it a Christian band? No. Oh, okay. No, it wasn't. Because there's a prominent Christian who I will not name on this podcast, mm-hmm. who when I went to talk to him, wanted to know if I wanted an autograph. And I was like, no, I'm just here to tell you that this is, it was, he was playing SOS. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Um, you might remember the lights went out when he was playing. I have an idea of maybe. And he had a small hissy fit about that. I think I might. I'll ask you about it after, see if I got the right. I I have this thing where I usually give famous people my autograph. I don't take other people's autographs. Yeah. And most of the time, most of the time they think it's funny. Here, wait, I'm going to write it. Let me see. Oh, no. Okay, I thought it was someone else. Wow. Yeah, everybody always asks why I don't really like his music or anything. It's like, well, one, I just don't like his style. And two... Like, he kind of rubbed me the wrong way in a couple of... Okay, he's not my favorite anyway. He had like... uh, So, I'm not going to give his name, so don't even ask. He had like handlers. Actually, will you ask so we get an email? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Outlook.com. He had like handlers. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're a Christian artist playing at a church in front of a youth group. Like, why do you have, like, are there, are there like junior high school girls throwing themselves at you? Like, uh-huh. I did not understand that at all. So that was kind of getting to me a little bit. He had a writer. Okay. You're a Christian artist. You're touring. Sure. Get a writer, but you're playing a church youth group. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, what do you need a writer for? That's true. Um, and then all the other stuff that goes along with it, wow. the cost, the hissy fit, the, uh, yeah, you want an autograph band? No, I just wanted to make sure the batteries were fresh in your lav. Like, you know, it's like I, it was all weird. It just maybe he had a bad day, so I like to just hope hope that was it. Mm-hmm. But it was, yeah. Actually, yeah, whatever, whatever. It, it's hard because, like, it, I mean, if you're a preacher, if you're a speaker, even if you're not a Christian at all, like, if you go ahead and like your words and your actions don't match, like, I can't. Yeah. I just can't. I did sound for a lot of Christian artists when I worked at the vineyard and when I volunteered at the vineyard, um, which is why I still know how to like get a hold of 
back channel music stuff. Oh, nice. Um, well, remember when I used to get free books all the time from publishers? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you kind of learn how, like who to address to get that stuff. Okay. Um, except for Crossway, who had a great sale a couple weeks ago, and I bought a lot of stuff. So now that I'm bad mouthing them, they wouldn't give me anything for free. Anyway. Oh, I, th- I thought we were. I thought we were friends because you told me about that after the sale was over. Yeah, sorry. Uh huh. Um, I got a lot. If you want to borrow it. Borrow. <laughs> um, anyway, um, most I would say all of them were awesome, from the independents to the bigger names. Wow. Like super cool people. It was just that one that was like, do you remember the techno guy? What was his name? Oh, I don't remember, but he was good. He And he was great to work with. Um, he was amazing. Andy something? Dude, you know, that's like 20 some years ago. Gosh, that's going to kill me because like now I kind of want to listen to his music. I don't even like techno. Oh, I love techno. <laughs> I got his autograph too. Um, I like, I had a CD like I bought, I, like it was after he was done playing. I was like, Hey, I'm going to pick up your CD. It's awesome. He's like, Oh yeah, cool man. Or whatever. And then like, he like grabbed one and like signed it and gave it to me. Oh wow. But I can't remember his name. Yeah. He was super cool. He was like the opposite of the other guy. Okay. When you say CD, what are you talking about? So it's like these little discs and you could put them in a player and they would play. They look like really flat Frisbees and they're shiny on one side. Oh, can we have frisb- Frisbee golf with them? Um... I mean, you could probably nowadays. Okay. I don't. I don't even think I have it. Well, you we might. Oh gosh, I gotta see if it's in storage somewhere. Oh wow! Again, CD. Hilarious. <laughs> I don't even think I have any more CDs. I don't have any DVDs. Oh, you have one that I was bar- I was gonna borrow and I left it when I was helping you move. Did I have? But a CD? I don't have a DVD player. I don't think. No, I don't either. It was Black Klansman. Oh okay. But I, I forgot to grab it, and I don't even know if I have a DVD player anymore. Um. Was it Blu-ray? Oh, it was probably Blu-ray. I might have a Blu-ray player. I think I have a... So I do have a Blu-ray ripper. Um, uh, you can't talk about your... But I buy the Blu-rays and put it digitally <laughs> so that I can show it legally. Gotcha. Um, because, you know, when you work in the school systems, they don't give you anything and they don't let you stream anything and they don't let you do anything. So you have to find some way of being able to actually <laughs> teach. But you know who does have a bounding grace? You know, we got to, dude, I don't want to waste too much. We've talked a lot, but I really want to talk about 37. Oh, I do too. Yeah, that so, is a good one. All right. It's so, 37, yeah. So 37. Um, I got more stories. We can talk about those later. Great. Different podcast. All right, sounds good. All right. Um, yeah, uh, so we're going to start. So at the end of 36, it's kind of important. If you haven't listened to that episode, um, you're going to be lost, honestly. Uh, basically, we get this uh, restoration of the land of Israel, um, not really the people. So 36, uh, starting from about verse 6 on, is like the first half of the restoration. And then this is like a continuation of that restoration. It's about to get put on steroids, though. Like, well, well, first they need put on sinew. I was like, first you need skin and then steroids, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, All right. So with that, um, let's start off with thirty-seven, one through ten. Maybe just go away, just to fourteen. Well, yeah, just go to fourteen. All right. We'll knock out a chunk. I got a lot though. Yeah, I know. We we probably should have just uh, avoided the banter because I was like, oh, wait, there is a lot. Yeah. All right. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface on the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, (laughs) Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews um, upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, and I was commanded. And as... 
And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone to its bones. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied and he command, as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord. And when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Hold on, my dumb... <clears throat> Remember that? I was talking about how great Crossway was. Do Oh, and, and then that's when it crashes on you? <sighs> it, like, totally, I gotta turn off the markup. Let me start this. All it's right. trying to select all, and I'm trying to select one, and it like it made me go all the way back to the top of the. I just go to 38 then, that yeah, works. Um, so, I'm there. We're good. Sorry. So I guess you get to use your imagination here, and if you use your imagination, it's probably a pretty rated R uh, picture that we see here. Um, keep in mind that that um, as a priest, um, you really should not be hanging out with dead bodies. Um, that was not necessarily looked forward to or looked to as a good thing. And, and you probably would have been seen as unclean um, if you're thinking kind of Old Testament, which is what we're in. Um, so to, to be in this situation um, and to be put in this situation by God himself um, was probably a pretty big deal in general. And all the stuff I did before I accidentally closed it came back. So sorry. One oh, second. so anyway. No, I, I'm good. Um, so... A couple of things that are really cool here. There's, a, there's, I've got so much that's like all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm counting on you of all people to rein me in. Okay, <laughs> nice. Um, so kind of starting from the top, uh, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. So there's a lot going on in one stinking sentence here. Um, one, the hand of the Lord is on me is indicating that um, he's being pulled into or out of something, a vision here, uh, to announce an oracle. And it sets him down in a valley. And what this is kind of significant because in the ancient Near East, a lot of the false gods were dwelling in the hills. And they're dwelling in the high places. Uh, for God to take Ezekiel, to take him down to the valley, was basically... Once again, kind of that upside down kingdom that we uh, hear more about in the New Testament where, you know, the last shall be first and that kind of stuff. And so in the valley, some of the, like the imagery that possibly uh, might have been evoked here would be things like the Tower of Babel was built in the valley. Um, also, the word here can be on the plains. Um, so on the plains or in the valley. So definitely not in the high places where the Canaanites were worshiping. Um uh, Nebuchadnezzar's statue was put in the valley on the plains. Um, almost every battle that we read about in the Old Testament was fought on the plains or in the valley. Mm-hmm. And that was a place where death happened. So we're seeing something completely just in the first few words of the chapter. We're getting a vision and we're getting something that's the opposite of what the Canaanites would have been used to seeing. Wow. It, it, go, it, it goes further. Wow. Keep going. Uh, sorry, in, in verse two. And when you have something, stop me, interject. Okay. Say yeah, what go you got, man. Uh, and he led me among them, and behold, there were many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. Uh, it appears, now this is Ian Dewey Good, Dun Dunny Good, Dun Goody Doody. Dun Goody That sounds like a song. Hold on. Dun Dunny Good, Doogie Doogie. He was the guy that wrote. Two out of the three commentaries that I have. Okay. Um, I, I promise you, oh, I'll get better at this. Um, he said that this is an answer to the prior question that Ezekiel asked, would God destroy the entire remnant? And this is showing that the answer is yes. Hmm. Um, he completely destroyed 
and only the very dry bones remain. There, Ian said, and I quote, there is no life, end of story. Wow. So when he says, son of man, can these bones live? He wasn't asking a rhetorical question. He was actually asking Ezekiel, are these deader than dead? And and that's what Chris, Christopher Wright had a, had a similar thing. He's like, well, okay, when you're talking about these dry bones, like it is a picture of they are long dead. It's not like all right, five minutes and you know a couple heart compressions and bam, like do 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 do. You know, like you get some heartbeats and stuff. Like they are dry bones. They are long dead. Like they have been in this place for quite a while. Um, he also mentioned the idea about them being unburied. Um, and, I, and I thought that was kind of interesting. And really, a proper burial was kind of important to, to most ancient Near, Near Eastern cultures. Um, and so to be provi- deprived of a burial was actually kind of like a final insult. Um, and so, so really, uh, when, when they're talking about these unburied dry bones, it, it's not just saying that there's evidence of death, but there's kind of evidence of death under a curse. Um, it, it's kind of that idea where um, to be unburied meant the perpetuation of suffering into like the afterlife. So to have both of those things present, um, you are almost talking about... Um, kind of a divine judgment of sort um, happening within the picture of of these dry bones that are long dead. What what three verses and look how deep this vision is. Yeah, which is funny because like in a few lines I'm going to talk about how apocalyptic is not that deep and the details don't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but the details are fun. Yeah, um, oh yeah. Well, right. unless you're a dry bone dead, a dead but, dry. You know. Hmm. Well, uh, but you can still live. Right? That is true. It's it's interesting because like kind of going back to the question too, son of man, can these bones live? And he answered, or and I answered. That's one thing that like um, apocalyptic literature. It's an important part of the genre is the first person, mm-hmm. um, the the actual witnessing of it. So, and I answered, oh Lord God, you know, um, he wasn't it, while he was a prophet he basically concedes the fact that he's not omniscient here mm-hmm. and that he doesn't know the answer and that only God knows that answer because he, while he is God's mouthpiece, the spokesperson, he is not like existing in a power outside of his own. Hmm. Yeah. If God asked me a question, I'd probably respond the same way. Um, I don't know. Can they, <laughs> um, you, you tell me God, right? And, and yeah, so I was sitting there going, huh, you're taking a good political answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what else do you have? I've got some stuff from four through ten with the breath. Yeah, I've got a little bit there, too. Um, not as much. I mean, I, I, yeah, I've got actually kind of a lot. I'm just kidding when I said a little. Oh, okay. Um, uh, the structure that we see here is can be interpreted or construed as the same structure of life in general. Um, When God made Adam, he formed him from Mm -hmm. the dust of the ground. So he has to be formed first. The bones here also will be formed. And then they have to be filled. And Adam was filled with breath, Mm -hmm. God's breath, that brought him to life. And here these bones will also have to be filled. So... um, like Adam, recreation is also a two-step process. First, you have to create the structure, and then you have to breathe into it. Or God has to. Like, you and I can't do anything there. Right. Um, so, um, the which you'll probably hit on. Do you want to hit on uh, Ruah? So, there is a ton here. Um, and I'm going to read a lot of it because I don't know how to make it better in my own words. No, I have a lot of uh, quotes in my notes and I don't usually have that. <laughs> so um, here, breath is ruah. Um, and um, at the beginning of the section, it refers to, to the spirit of Yahweh, 37, 1 through 14. But I'm actually going to get into the, the deeper part of it. So... Um, Uh, The whole scene is permeated by the various activities of Ruah, human, natural, and divine, breath, wind, and spirit, and the single total effect of all this activity of Ruah is life, life out of utter deadness. 
Um, there is another event being mirrored, mirrored here. The picture of the divine breath breathing into inanimate bodies so that they come to life undoubtedly recalls the original creation of humanity as recorded in Genesis 2-7. In the account also, there is a two-stage process of divine activity. First, God fashioned the human creature out of the lifeless dust of the earth. At a biological level, we share the same stuff and substance as the rest of creation, animal, vegetable, and mineral. But then, in the act of tender intimacy, God breathed into human nostrils the breath of life so that human being... Uh, so that the human became a living being, living because breathing. So here in Ezekiel's vision, the unique life-giving power of the Creator, God once more breathes life into inert human flesh and brings forth a miracle of new existence. The revival of Israel will be nothing less than the recreation of humanity, a thought we must return to. Um, He also discusses... um, Yeah, I think that's the big one. Oh, see, also means so. It also can mean um, um, also means wind, powerfully moving through the air. Um, so from the winds, from all directions of the earth, um, we have this idea of breath. We also have the idea of spirit. Um, so when we're looking at ruah um, in thirty-seven one and fourteen, you have the spirit of Yahweh. When you're talking about breath in the literal sense, you're talking about five, six, eight, and ten, and then wind in thirty-seven nine. So you have all of these dynamics all used within Ruah, just within this passage. Um, and all of that kind of comes down to, um, yes, to this idea of breath and Ruah. So like multiple, God working on multiple dimensions all within the bringing back to life of, of, of God's creation, I guess. Yeah, the, uh, um, yeah, just to reiterate, same, yeah, kind of got the same thing. Wind, breath, and spirit um, are all the meanings of the word. And all the meanings of the word are represented here. Um, Not to say interchangeably, but definitely utilized. Mm -hmm. Um, I did find the four winds was kind of cool. One of the commentators I read said, basically, that's like full power from every direction. So like just pouring in like all the power, all the places pouring in kind of thing. like it's a complete job. <laughs> like it's not a, yeah, here's a little, like, no, it's like, here's like a, everything, like it's all coming at you. It builds on the bigger promise. I guess I, I'm trying to imagine what, what, what that would look like. You think of all of those elements within this, this picture of, of breath being brought into these dry bones. Like you're thinking the spirit of Yahweh being present. You're talking about breath and then a wind powerfully moving through the air. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, you're just, I don't know. It, it seems like a pretty intense, powerful scene um, when you're thinking about all these elements mm-hmm. all being present and utilized and pushed through all, all at the same time. Um, so I, I doubt this was just like a... Oh my gosh! Wow! All of a sudden, they're breathing again. Right. Uh, I mean, it probably didn't look like just a simple horror movie—a bunch of skeletons, like with half their muscles and sinew and skin standing up. Yeah. Was, there's probably a lot more flying around in that vision. Absolutely. Than what we what we're privy to. Well, even even if like, <clears throat> I mean, I think of probably the times where I feel the spirit of God moving in powerful ways, like. I can say that those are powerful moments in my own life as I reflect back on on when you feel and experience God moving. But then put all of these extra elements there and and I I, I don't know, it seems like a very exciting, powerful moment. Um, just, to, I don't know. No, this is, once again, I, this is why it's one of my favorite sections of scripture. And I don't think I'm alone on that. You know, I don't think there's a lot of people like, oh, well, dry bones, they don't really mm. ring. Um, <laughs> It is because of the the power that it shows. Like we said before, they're dry remains. There's, I mean, the vultures aren't even feeding on them anymore. Like there's nothing there. It's dry, dead completely. And it's being rebuilt and it's being reanimated and recreated. Mm-hmm. Um, reanimated sounds a little too much like a zombie movie. <laughs> yeah. But because uh, it's more than that. It's being brought back to life with fullness, not just being brought back to life with like, Burn, mm-hmm. you know kind of thing yeah um and it's huge and we also get to see once again uh, spoiler we're gonna see all three persons of the trinity operating within this chapter mm. so we see god showing the vision god giving the command 
that Ezekiel should give the command to give God's word like was spoken in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to see, well, we, we are seeing the spirit in full power pouring breath into everyone and then we'll get messianic a little later. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I guess 11 through 14, did you have anything for that section? Um, 11, really the biggest thing there is a verse 11 itself. Yeah. This is why dad here needs glad dad. I'm talking to my kids. This is why dad needs glasses. <laughs> I'm not calling you dad. Uh, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, and this, these are the important parts. Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost and we are indeed cut off. So this is where I saw by the apocalyptic interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, this is basically the important pieces here, but the most important part of the boy, that's a lot of peas. <laughs> the, 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 these details need to lift up the whole picture. So here's where all the, uh, particular types get mad at me. Um, when we take time to nitpick apocalyptic literature and we start trying to find ways to bend and twist what things mean, mm-hmm. um, we're actually interpreting apocalyptic literature incorrectly. Okay. Um, the details need to support the whole picture. So we can't take them out and say these details only refer to X. We have to take those details and make sure that they support the entirety of the apocalyptic writing or mm-hmm. vision or whatever it happens to be. So if you're going to take out a piece from here and try and warp it to mean something else, you're doing a disservice to the rest of the vision because hmm. you're pulling out its important part and saying that's not what it means. So this 11 basically is the interp- is, is the interpretation of the whole thing. In that one little short verse. And that's basically how we need to remember to look at literature. The details are not as important as the whole. So if you're listening in a car or something, 11 says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. And then if you continue, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves O my people and I will bring you into the land and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves O people and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land then you shall know that I am the Lord I have spoken and I will do it declares the Lord that is literally 11 through was a 14 is literally the interpretation these aren't like the parables of Jesus where the disciples are like, hey, yo, what? <laughs> this is like you get the vision and then God essentially spelling it out for the reader what this actually means. Mm-hmm. And all we need to know is that they were dried up, all their hope was lost, and they were cut off from God and their community, and he's restoring it. And we don't really see a full fulfillment. I mean, Jesus kind of is the fulfillment Spoilers. of right here. So, so when we're, we're talking about um, prophetic and when we're talking about the restoration of Israel, we're really talking about, about Jesus here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my point being is like I've been among people that have abused um, this chapter to mean different things. And I've obviously been among people that have taken like Daniel and Revelation way out of context to Mm -hmm. mean things. And they're trying to dissect the little details to figure out what makes things tick. In some ways, I feel it's like to make them feel special or to elevate their status. Mm -hmm. Um, When in reality, we need to take a look at the genre as a whole and see what the interpretation is. Yeah. And, and and a lot of times, I mean, when, when you're talking about apocalyptic literature anyway. It's weird. Right. It is. But it's it's trying to tell a story through images. I mean, you're, you're getting a... Um, you're trying to tell a story through the images. Um, and, and they kind of bring the scenario and the scene to a greater perspective or a greater... 
I'm missing the words. Bring well, it more to life and a better understanding, I guess. Yeah, and sometimes like when you see a vision as something you don't understand, you have to figure out a way to describe it. Right. You know? Um, go back to the first two chapters of this book and read some of the weirdness. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it is, it's it's hard to explain, but um I just always, you know, I kind of border on the practical and I feel if you spend your time trying to figure out the secret code, mm-hmm. um you're missing the forest through the trees, as they yeah. say, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And a lot of times it's not necessarily as secret as we make it out to be. Right. Um, I know, especially if you're thinking like Revelation, I mean, you're taking John's perspective of his understanding of all of Scripture and, and um, the reader's perspective of Scripture, and, and he's utilizing images throughout, um, well, I guess throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, in order to, to paint this picture of, of, of what is being revealed. And Apocalypse, like, we always get like, the scary, freaky, like mm-hmm. idea of apocalypse, but it's just a revelation, and, and God is revealing something um, through a prophet or, or through someone in order to, again, to paint a picture into some, what's going on, really beyond what we can be aware of at that moment or right. at that time. Um, so He's really giving us insight into something beyond ourselves, so that we can have a better understanding of, of what God is doing or what God is going to do, yeah. um, giving us an opportunity to be aware and. To to be ready when, when, when that moment or when that time comes, or even, even if you're thinking revelation, like what's going on beyond what we see in the spiritual world, like, okay, this is where Jesus is. This is where he's sitting on his throne. And there's confidence in that. And images are used in order to create that picture so that we can, we can understand well, it and see it. In, in John, the Revel- revelator, um, <laughs> he is painting a picture of, of people persecuted, mm-hmm. of trials and tribulations, and of rescue, restoration, and showing that Jesus won't stand for it. Yep. Um, anyway. It's a beautiful picture of hope. Yeah. And and that's the key to take away. The, the people that get into dissecting every little, well, the mark of the beast could be this. You, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. you're thinking too hard. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a book of hope. It's a book of... God is sovereign, and it is a book of, yep, things are going to suck for a little bit, and yeah, how, have you, God is still sovereign. Have you gone down to a baseball game or anything like that to see the people downtown with the, like, don't accept the microchip in your forehead? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Or like, wait, the COVID shot, wasn't that the thing for a while? Yeah. Whether you wanted the COVID shot or not, I, I doubt that's the mark of the beast. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm 100% sure that that wasn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, that's that's nitpicking the details. Yeah, that's yeah. missing the forest through the trees. Yeah, so we're, we're not. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So anyway, I digress. Anyway, so fifteen through twenty-eight. Yeah, sure. Fifteen through end. Okay. Do you think we'll ever get like copyright dinged by ESV? I don't know. Is it? Is it? Can you copyright the Bible? I mean, I guess you can. This translation. But why yeah. would you want to? Would you want to spread the word? Are you daring them? Are you daring them? <laughs> I guess I'll find out if I ever get a cease and desist. I mean, I guess that would be my question. Um, wasn't the purpose to... I don't know. Uh, anyway. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, take a stick and write on it. For Judah and the people of Israel associated with him, then take another stick and write on it. For Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel associated with him. And join them one to another into one stick. Excuse me, that they may become one in your hand. And when your people say to you, will you not tell us what you mean by these? Say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm about to take the stick of Joseph, that is the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel associated with him, and I will join him, join with it the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, that they may be one in my hand. When the sticks on which you write are in your hand before their eyes, then say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the people of Israel from the nations among which they have gone, and will gather them from all around and bring them to their own land. And I will make make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all, and they shall be no longer two nations and no longer divided into two kingdoms. They shall not defile themselves any more with their idols and their detestable things or with any other transgressions, but I will save them from all the backslidings in which they have sinned and will cleanse 
them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. My servant David shall be king over them and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. Um, they shall dwell in the land that I gave to my servant Jacob, where your fathers lived. They and their children and their children's children shall dwell there forever. And David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My dwelling place shall be with them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sacrifices Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. Ah, so this is where we kind of take a shift um, to a future prophetic tone, mm-hmm. um, which is still a vision of hope. Yeah. But it's uh, it, the first part is basically unity. And this is where we can start to argue that the church replaces Israel mm-hmm. and is brought together in unity. I'm waiting for you to strike back or something. No, <laughs> I, I think it actually is a beautiful picture of unity because in order for full restoration to happen, um, you need a unified body and you need a unified church. Um, and I think actually we're, we're still in that place of, of becoming unified because I think as a church, we're still very ununified. I hang um, out with Baptists and Presbyterians that fight about things. Right. Right. So and, and we're I, definitely not unified, but yeah, you're right. And, and so I think that that's, um, if we're moving forward towards restoration, I think God is definitely working on the hearts of his people. And I think Jesus very much fulfills a lot of Ezekiel's um, prophetic and apocalyptic uh, apocalyptic prophecies. Um, but I think at the same time, we, we still as a church where we're still um, in the place where, where Ezekiel was, where we're not necessarily unified. We're not, we're not communicating like... If you're thinking that, I'm trying to be, keep brain farting. So if you're going back to that picture of God seeing the other nations looking down on him as God and them not seeing the rest of the world, seeing his church and his people, um, I guess Israel, not necessarily living out how they're supposed to live. I think sometimes you can see our current world and our current disunity within our church where people go, well, look at them. They're fighting each other. Why is this God any different than any other God? Mm -hmm. And so I think that we still have a place of, of, I think this is a powerful... um, uh, a powerful idea of where we need to can get back to this place of unity, um, where we need to remember what is the most important aspect of what we do, that God needs to be the center um, of all that we do. Um, and as a church, get back to that place where, yeah, we might not all be in that place of agreeing on absolutely everything, but when it comes to the fundamental of Jesus being the center and the focus and how we live that out, we do all agree. And so we almost need to be, what, take those two, what is it, those two boards or those those two sticks or pieces of wood and, and re-come back together as one unified body. Um, because I think for us to experience that full restoration that, that is well, prophesied here, yeah. I'm going to... Put a little pause on you, yeah, and I'm going to push back a little bit tight here. Um, what we see, yes, there are some things that as Christians we need to take steps yeah. towards um, towards unity. And maybe like this is like for the handful that listen to this podcast, like, you know, stop fighting over petty doctrines. Stop disassociating because, you know, somebody has a different mode of baptism or... Um, you know, all these little things like, yes, please continue to like stand up for the truth and for legitimate like theology and doctrine. But you, you need to like maybe slow your roll a little bit on some things. And uh, we need as Christians to bring unity and we need to quit letting certain voices hijack Christianity and try and use it as their vehicle for wealth and personal gain and popularity and all this other stuff, whatever. Um However, the hope here 
is that that big job that has to be done with unifying is something that we don't even do. That's true. Because in 22, he says, and I will make them one nation in the land. And then a little while later in 23, he says, but I will save them and I will cleanse them and I will be their God. Hmm. So yes, we do have a, we, we are, I just said this in our church's community group last night, yeah. like uh, Matt Chandler, a Baptist, you know, go figure, uh-huh. um, says he, he basically goes on how we are God's tools. Um, God basically prefers to use us as a tool, but the tool is only useful when it's being properly used in God's hands. Hmm. So, yeah, we do have things that we should be praying for, that we should be doing. Prayer is basically um, one of the things that gives the most power to the tool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, we also have to understand that it is God that is going to do the restoring, the saving, and the cleansing. And he is going to reign over us. And we need to remember that this is also echoing OG covenant language here. Mm. He will be their God. They will be his people, but they'll only be that through his work. Mm. So we get to, we get to chill mm. and let him do it. But we also have work to do. That's a dichotomy, That's right? True. Yeah, right? Yeah. That's a dichotomy. Yeah. But no, you're right. There's a call. We, there, there should be a call to unity. We should not be segregating ourselves among a lot of different pieces. We do need to draw closer to unity uh, maybe I'll quit with the Methodist jokes, you know, like, like you know, but we need right. to stop looking at these like dumb. Oh, my gosh. They believe in the powerful works of the spirit and the spiritual gifts. They are heretics and we should not be talking to them or, mm. oh, my gosh, they're the frozen chosen. You know, like we really need to cut that garbage out and start going hand in hand. We need to stop separating because one uses the King James version and one does not. Right. Like this is the kind of stuff that's dumb. <laughs> It needs to be put to bed. And that's something that we can take part in by coming alongside those that might rub our fur the wrong way, you know? So really, really it's that perspective of, okay, so we can't do it. And I guess if you go back contextually, he says, what is it, in 36 that he's going to create that new heart and breathe Mm -hmm. life, but it's it's that perspective. It is so that you can follow my commands and statutes. Mm -hmm. And so here we see, I guess, maybe the fulfillment of that through Jesus. Oh, yeah. And we rest. Hardcore messianic at the end. And we rest in God's restoration. And in a sense, I guess we live that out. I guess as we live that out in Christ, it just becomes how we as God's people in church begin to live them mm-hmm. through the power of the Spirit. Okay. If if my if my salvation is dependent on um I'm trying to find a better way to put this. <laughs> if my salvation was dependent on bringing the church together and having the right heart, the only hope I would have in that is that I have a new heart and that Jesus is doing the work. Hmm. And I guess 22 becomes the very, becomes a very strong, powerful messianic influence. I will make them one nation Mm -hmm. on the mountains of Israel and one king shall be king over them and they shall be no longer two nations and no longer divided into two kingdoms. Yes. God will draw all of his people back together. Hmm. Yeah. And then we get, as God unifies his people, we get the messianic promise. Okay. And then you have the cleanse. So then you're cleansed from idolatry. Mm-hmm. You've got that righteous rule of a Davidic king, which that's a little bit of Jesus, um, or a lot of bit of Jesus. <laughs> Perfect obedience. So really everything that we can't do, we see God doing right here. I see. Yeah. yeah that well, then, make sense. With the, the, like, Part of this comes in, is it John? Uh, hold on, let me look it up really fast. I might still have it open because I read it recently. I'm not like that awesome that I like remember something from 10 years ago. Uh, 
And, and the one great thing about all of this, though, is that we see it through all of 37. We saw this in 36, 35. <laughs> Maybe it was 35. I don't know. Well, we start to see, I guess, around the 33-ish, you start to see where, so that you will know that I am the Lord God is now a very positive mm-hmm. piece as opposed to so that you will know that I am the Lord and there's a bunch of wrath that comes before that statement. Um, and so you definitely see a very positive restoration um, so that you will know that I'm the Lord, but but also the, the other nations are supposed to look to, to, to Israel or God's people as, as the, the example, as the witness. So this is John 13, 31. Uh, when he had gone out, talking about Judas, when Judas left the house, mm-hmm. um, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Um, There's this idea that by Jesus doing and being obedient to what God wanted, God ends up glorified. Hmm. Because God is glorified, Jesus is glorified. And one more time, because Jesus is glorified, both God and Jesus are glorified. Right. If we go down to... 24, my servant David shall be king over them. My servant David there is actually talking about uh, a ruler who's ruling with wisdom and humility and not brashness uh, like basically everybody after David ruled. Okay. Um, they shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. They shall dwell in the land that I gave to my servant Jacob where their fathers live and they and their children and their children's children will dwell there forever. And David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. I will make my covenant of peace with them. It shall be in the everlasting covenant. Sorry, it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them, and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Then the nations will know. This is the glorification part that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. Hmm. So God's act, this this kind of show, this takes that verse in John, the glorification of the Father and the Son, and it also basically states that when God's people are sanctified, obeying his statutes and cleansed and living in the right way mm-hmm. with fresh hearts and fresh minds, they're glorifying the prince who is over them, mm-hmm. David slash actually typology, Jesus. And when Jesus is glorified, it goes back to God who gets the glory for being their king forever and ever mm. and who sanctifies and restores their land. Mm. In order to sanctify his people, he had to clean the land, which we talked about last time. Right. But they have to be sanctified and they have to be perfected and empowered through the Holy Spirit and with that Spirit's breath in their bodies in order for God to dwell with them. So in order for God to be glorified, he must be glorified in his Son. For his Son to be glorified, we must glorify God in his Son. Therefore, God is glorified in his people. It all goes back to what you talked about last week, and I can't remember if it was the podcast or on our walk, um, that by us being a witness and shining a light back onto Christ, we're glorifying God and making those good deeds known to other people, which Mm -hmm. is part of that glorification, Right. which is basically this big recycling symbol of we glorify God so that, uh, or sorry, we glorify Christ so that he glorifies God so that God is glorified in Christ's glorification so that God is glorified because Christ is glorified so that both are glorified because both are glorified and we are doing the glorifying. Glorifying meaning to shine a light on or to magnify the attributes of God to others. I need to get a dry erase board and try that again. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need but a I'm picture. I'm saying this on a podcast, right? Right. You can't see a darn um, thing. I need a picture. Um, but no, yeah. Essentially, God is glorified when we are doing what is stated here. We're dwelling with Him. We're obeying His statutes. We're walking in His rules. We're living under His shepherd. We're in mm. covenant with Him. Period. He is glorified. 
because we're being because he is glorified through what we're doing that sets off the catalyst that Jesus is glorified that sets off the catalyst that because Jesus is glorified God is glorified mm. and both are glorified because of what we are doing right but we can only do that if we have his breath in us got it so we can only be empowered to glorify God if we have the spirit breath in us that enables us to glorify God. And I would say that if, if you look at real life, that's a true statement. Because the amount of times that I can't do what I really want to do without God moving and the spirit being in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Paul said that or someone important said that too. This is like oft forgotten by me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would argue, you just said you. Yeah. I would absolutely. argue by a lot of people that we think that we are the catalyst when in reality it's the spirit mm-hmm. that's inside of us that's the catalyst that enables us to do God's will that in turn shines a light on how good God is. So, in a sense, well, it's like what you said relax. Yeah. And really, it's just relaxing and let God do his thing. Right. And be, but letting him do his thing to the end there, it's also about us being obedient. Right. Because that's and that's a big part that I uh, think you you had yeah. started hitting on at the beginning. For unification, we also need to be obedient, obey his rules, walk in his rules, obey his statutes. Because yeah, it's in, well, it's in 36 when he's talking about putting a spirit within us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, putting his uh, new heart. The whole purpose of that well, is through so that we can be obedient and follow his statutes because we can't do it on our own. Right. He, even Ezekiel says that before we even get to like the New Testament Jesus. So so the oracle in 36 really starts out with kind of a, almost on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And then it basically shows that happening on a national level. Mm-hmm. It shows that happening one uh, at a time on a personal level, and then it shows that happening to the entirety of God's people. Oh, that's which, good. Okay. Which, spoiler again, that's us. Right. Like I said, the church has replaced Israel in this covenant, which I think I'm settling on that. I, know, I, I always made jokes about how I wasn't sure if Israel replaced the church. Um, the more I read this and see these, these messianic prophecies... I would have to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think I land there. Yeah. And that's no disrespect to Israel, the Jews. No, not at all. That. It's, it's just recognizing that, like his, you know, his spirit is indwelling inside of us. Well, if you go all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant, you're going to be the father of many nations, like. Mm-hmm. There is not necessarily a distinction when you're talking about just Jew. Correct. You have always, from the very, God has always, from the very beginning, portrayed a picture of a unified, his people. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean. And, and it's, a, it's the people that are set apart in Israel that are supposed to welcome other people to see you how they're different, mm-hmm. right? We talked about it in Deuteronomy the whole time. Like yeah. every podcast, they're being set apart to be a light to other nations. Okay. And I don't think I saw it right away. Um, and I like how you brought that to like where 36 is God working on an individual level and 37 is, is a, a level of a nation or is a much larger group of people. Hence, I guess that army picture perspective that you see with a lot of dead, 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 mm-hmm. dead, dead, dead bodies. Um, and then it ending with a unified picture of Northern and Southern kingdom brought together um, and a picture of one God's people. Yeah. So um, this is the movie. Okay. This is where, the heroes are fighting the battle and they're losing and they're getting charred and then somebody, you know, they they charge through the bad guys like kill everybody and they're all the hope is lost and one guy comes along and does the thing, the superpower, and all like all the hope that was lost is now restored mm-hmm. and God's army raises up. But the difference being is that his army doesn't go and pursue and kill those that wiped them out because they realized those that pursued and wiped them out was themselves. Mm. 
And hmm. so instead, they go back in covenant with God and they repent. That's the up, once again, this is so New Testament, mm-hmm. upside down kingdom that you would almost be like, does that belong in the Old Testament? Yeah. But that just goes to prove the whole council of scripture. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's such a, this is why it's, to me, it's just such an amazing picture. Everything at 37 is like the chapter of the Old Testament for yeah. me. Like, so juicy, so rich, so hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Like we we are not Ezekiel. Okay. Anybody that goes up on the stage and tries to play Ezekiel is an arrogant, proud SOB that needs to get off of the stage. Mm-hmm. Okay. We are all the bones. There was one God, one Christ, one spirit. And they worked through and spoke through one now currently dead, but probably abiding with Christ, unless you believe in soul sleep, (laughs) prophet. Mm -hmm. And that prophet spoke to us, the bones. Mm -hmm. We are not the prophet here. We're the dry, brittle, hopeless Mm -hmm. that God puts his breath, spirit, wind into. Kick the table. There go the microphones. (laughs) Um, That he puts his spirit into and says, live, hmm. do as I've commanded and show people how glorious I am. That's good. I got nothing else to say. It's a, it's a great, if you have, if you have not read this before, go back and read it again. Close your eyes when you're done and imagine what's going on here. Think deep about it. Ian, it's D-U-G-U-I-D. Uh, wrote two great commentaries on it. I can't remember the other guy I use, um, but you don't even need them. Probably Christopher Wright is probably once again phenomenal. All these Presbyterians are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. We, we can't escape them. I'm non-denominational, but hey, yeah, I know, am too. I'm a former Baptist. <laughs> um, you're a current Baptist, I'm non-denom. Baptized by or I'm Baptist by marriage, and yeah. Um, but this is where unity comes in. These yeah. these guys help show us an amazing picture of what's going on. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're yeah. smarter than us. Oh yeah. Everyone's smarter than me, but, but dang, it's so beautiful, but it is great to get their insight. And, and the thing is, is, is one thing before we end though. And, and, and this is my suggestion of when you study any of scripture, but especially, I mean, really, yeah, just any of scripture, take time to meditate and reflect and pray over it. Um, and, and I don't want to say that, God's word really is living and active. Um, I sometimes tell my wife that I, or I just tell people in general, I was like, I love reading scripture and I hate reading scripture. And part of the reason that I hate reading scripture is because sometimes God makes it real. And I say, sometimes he almost always does. So when I read it in scripture, sometimes I'm afraid that God's going to make it real. And if you really take the time to pray over it, you really take the time to to seek God's heart out um, and reflect on it. it. It'll be amazing to see how powerful God's word can be, because God will make Scripture real in your heart and in your life. Um, and I know for me, um, chapters thirty three through thirty seven have been huge. Like I have, it's been hard for me to put down Ezekiel, and I'm studying like eighty other things at the same time. <laughs> But like Ezekiel is what I keep going back to because the message from 33 to, to 37 is is, is amazing. Um, and so Don's right. If you have not taken the time, don't just listen to us read it. Like really right. take time and read it yourself. Like go home, um, get out of your car before you start reading and, <laughs> and, you know, really take some time and read and pray about it. And, and again, I have not gone in depth yet from 40 to 48, but like, I think it's 48. You then get into, if you think we're done with the New Testament, we've just got started. (laughs) Um, But we're not going to leave the Old Testament when it comes to to our main text. um, Because really, um, we get even more into it. Well, this is what we set out to do. We wanted to read the Old Testament to show you that it was not irrelevant. And it's not even like that we have to try. Like, this was... This is easy. We can see that God is the same and he hasn't changed or altered the deal or anything like that. His goal is always to live in covenant with his people. And once again, yeah, like Scott reiterated what I'm going to reiterate one more time. Read it. Go line by line. Just meditate on one verse at a time. I We even started this off like 
the first verse is full of three big main ideas mm-hmm. and keep going. And we just have the benefit of knowing where to get the resources. Yeah. Um, and I've, uh, I've, I've, I went through Ezekiel years ago by myself and I'm, I pulled one resource from back then. I got two new resources and it's been great. Yeah. Um, get, we, you know, we really aren't that smart. No. Um, and that is not even a humble comment. <laughs> that is we're Wait, just I, I really will, not that. I, I will caveat. We both have Bible degrees, but I'll also say, I graduated with that Bible degree many moons ago. It's been over 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm what? You graduated like... 18, 19, about yeah. 18 to 19 years ago. So. Um, we just... The, the one thing that we do have, whether this makes us smart or not, <laughs> is we just love studying scripture. Yeah. Um, and we love how powerful you can see how it fits within the historical context um, and with our present day context and then when we're taking context out of it just our relationship with God um, how we're taking the New Testament God's word is living and active it, it and that is such a true statement and so once again we're not smart um, we just love Jesus and, and we love how scripture points us into that deeper relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. and that's not just a Christian answer that's just our experience um, and, and I would say one more vote of encouragement for anybody who's listening this late into the I mean yeah we're well over time but um, one more thing of encouragement before we head out for me um, I'll let Scott give more if he wants to uh, we're laymen we're volunteers. I work in a sound booth at my church. Like, yes, I, yes, I've pastored. Yes, I tried to church plant. Yes, I was in eldership programs. Yes, I've preached on Sundays. Yes, whatever. Currently, I work in the sound booth. Like, I'm not doing anything spectacular. My master's degree is in business. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm not. It wasn't even a seminary degree. Um, I couldn't convince my wife of that one. <laughs> you have pay forty thousand for what? <laughs> you know, like, um, so we're we're nothing special. We're yeah. not writing books. We do this podcast for fun. We've made zero dollars from it. Yeah. But you know, Crossway can only give us three books. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Do you have anything else? Or? No, no. no. Right. Um, go and be blessed and go read go read Ezekiel thirty seven again. Bye.